Of a war we ain't asked Transgression of progression of a war we ain't asked for. This madness, yo. All the things that we could talk about. Call it. Well, let's talk about these urban circumstances real quick. And basically, it's the. And. Um. We got this. So. Revolution. Muhammad is the fame's name. Forever stands. Standing on royal, fusing of justice for the few, ridiculed by the pale terrorists, bent on genocidal obsession, rooted in fear of neglection and abandonment, fueled by nightmares of ancestors. True, because at the end of the day, I still want to be able to, to, I don't dislike George Washington. I don't friend. I think like, our friends should be like my friends. My friends are the kind of friends I think everyone needs. My friends see the things at times I don't see. My friends hate the police. Child trying to see you. You gonna look? You gonna pick up that book? Lord, keep me far from the things. Guide me through night and day. Teach me your ways. Show me the righteous way to sway. Lord, keep me peace me, please. Show me the way. I'd say. And welcome back to another episode of the Urban Conservative with Chaz Neal. We're excited to have you join us on this journey of thoughtful discourse and community engagement. The Urban Conservative is proudly sponsored by the Leon Block Network, an organization committed to promoting transparency, truth, and accountability in our media landscape. 
here at the Urban Conservative, our mission remains steadfast to bring you the latest news directly from the streets, addressing critical topics such as gun violence, crime, politics, and perhaps most importantly, exploring solutions to the profound challenges our communities face. As we embark on this third season, the focus is clear. It's time to actively contribute to the transformation of our communities. For the better, how can we achieve this? The answer lies in a multifaceted approach that starts with reconnecting with our core family values. Strengthening our sense of community is paramount, fostering bonds that transcend the barriers that often divide us. Moreover, it involves embracing our foundational roots, recognizing the historical and cultural threads that weave through the fabric of our society. In this season, we're calling for more than words. We seek action. It's a plea to move beyond mere rhetoric and engage in tangible, impactful initiatives that contribute to positive change. The time for empty words has passed. Now more than ever, we need to put our convictions into action. Together, united by a common purpose, we can make a substantial and lasting difference in the well-being of our communities. So join us on this journey as we explore not only challenges, but also the opportunities for growth and progress. Together, let's turn our shared vision for stronger, safer, and more connected communities into a reality. Thank you for being a part of the Urban Conservative with Chaz Neal. Shut up and help. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, you know, every day I start off with, um, you know, this this month I have anyways, and today is, is February 8th. Um, and I'm going to be discussing uh, to begin the show with some, you know, somebody that you guys might not have heard. Um, but before I do that, um, let me share this video I have of Lucius Alexander Wilson. Uh, let me play this video real quick. So Lucius Alexander Wilson. Through their courageous and noted acts of bravery. Though many people know and read about these heroes, there are still those unsung heroes who have faced adversity through the struggle for racial equality, and yet no one knows about them. One such hero was newspaperman L. Alex Wilson, a black journalist writing for the Norfolk Journal and Guide and the Tri-City Defender. He worked side by side in the 1950s with many brave journalists during the civil rights movement. Today, we bring you a brief history of how Wilson's path would bring him to a very special moment in America's history. In May of 1954, the U.S. Supreme Court handed down its verdict on the famous Brown versus Board of Education trial that ruled that separate educational facilities are inherently unequal. This case paved the way for integration. Three years later, in Little Rock, Arkansas, nine African-American students headed to the all-white high school to be the first group of African-American students to attend Central High School on September 23rd. Due to a hostile crowd and fearing for all parties involved, the students returned home. During this attempt, there were four African-American reporters who were on the streets planning to cover the story. One of those reporters, L. Alex Wilson, 
while peaceably attempting to do his job, was repeatedly beaten in the streets by an angry mob. His picture ran on almost every major newspaper the next day. From the New York Times to the Progress Index to the Richmond Times, everyone saw Wilson being attacked. It was this image that compelled President Eisenhower to send 1,000 members of the 101st Airborne Division to Little Rock and to federalize the 10,000-man Arkansas National Guard. On September 24th, the nine returned to Central High School and completed their first day of school. Wilson, although considerably injured, never saw a doctor or took time to rest, according to his wife, Emma Jean Wilson. His article ran the next day in the Tri-State Defender. He stated, I decided not to run. If I were to be beaten, I'd take it walking if I could, not running. Any newsman worth his salt is dedicated to the proposition that it is his responsibility to report the news factually under favorable and unfavorable conditions. But I am not bitter. I believe that justice and fair play for all minorities will eventually triumph. Um, Lucius Alexander Wilson, a remarkable uh, figure born in Florida, faced adversity head-on from a young age. Confronted by notorious KKK in his youth, Wilson made a profound decision. He would never again run from the discouraged racism. This early resolve shaped his character and set the stage for a life dedicated of confronting injustice. As a child, Wilson found solace in expression in the written word. Most afternoons, he would retreat to his bedroom after school where his mother discovered him immersed in his writing. This early passion for storytelling and communication laid the foundation for the impactful role he would play later on in the years. Turning to education, Wilson ventured into teaching, eventually rising to the positions of assistant principal and principal in high schools across North Central Florida. His commitment to education was paralleled by his commitment to journalism as he assumed the role of ed editor and general manager of the Tri-State Defender, an African-American newspaper in Memphis, Tennessee, affiliated with the Chicago Defender chain pivotal moment in Wilson's journalistic career was in 1955 when he led the Defenders, Defender Chain's coverage of the horrific murder of Emmett Till. This event marked a turning point underscoring Wilson's dedication to shedding light on racial injustices and promoting awareness. In 1957, during the Little Rock Nine school des desegregation crisis, Wilson's courage and dedication to truth were put to the test. In the face of violent white mob, he stood tall at 6'3", documenting the events as they unfolded. Despite being physically attacked, Wilson chose not to flee, but to walk away. 
emphasizing its unwavering commitment to confront racism without fear. The beatings Wilson endured in Little Rock may be contributed, may have contributed to a premature end to his life. Despite the physical toll, he continued his mission as an editor of the Chicago Defender until his passing in 1960 at the age of 51. Lucius Alexander Wilson's story is one of resilience, courage, and an unyielding commitment to justice. His impact on journalism and the fight against racism. Damn, resounds through history, marking him a civil rights hero whose legacy continues to inspire. And yes, I did change the word because I couldn't pronounce it. Reverberate. I ain't gonna front. Like when I can't pronounce something, I ain't gonna sit here in front like I can pronounce it when I can't. Oh, so that's why I changed the wording and that's why you heard a stutter there for a minute. But uh, the reason why I did um, Alexander Wilson today was because I wanted to keep on that that journalism, that educator uh, type of vibe today. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to to still um, to keep with that, that that theme because I think that theme is important because a lot of the people, even with yesterday, with Cecil Newman. Um, and even, you know, with today with Alexander Wilson, they were both journalists, but also educators. Uh, and, and I feel like the people that looked up to them and were mentored by them, you know, those are people that, you know, I feel like I've been studying and the, the footsteps just led back to, you know, how we always heard that story of, uh, Jack and Jill, not Jack and Jill. What's the one where they, the dude got lost in the woods and left the breadcrumbs. And then when they went back, he couldn't go back because they were, they were eating. Uh, so I forget that story. I know what you're talking about. Shit. Right, I, I knew you would. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, but, but I, I, I put that in today's terms because I feel like, you know, through time, those breadcrumbs have been eaten those crumbs have been aided and, and, and replaced. And then now people are finding those breadcrumbs again. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what I, you're saying. Um, I mean, us as a people, as black people and us as the human race, we've been uh, sleeping for some time. And I feel like maybe even just, I mean, the way I look at it, and if you look back at history, every hundred years, there's cycles and periods. And we're at that period where we are reawakening, not just spiritually, but just understanding the world around us. And part of that, I feel, includes looking back to history and understanding uh, where we are now and just having like, needing some growth, having some sense of understanding of who we are. And I do see a lot of people... Um, I, Maybe it's because of 2020 and the different things that have happened since people are looking to carve out more time to understand who they are. And part of that is, you know, knowing your history. Right. And that you bring up a very good point about knowing our history, because if you don't know your past, you don't know where you're going. So I feel like that why I said that little, you know, 
fairy tale story they used to tell us about the, the breadcrumbs and you know what I'm saying of how they they lost their their way going back. I feel like that's how you can play that out in today's times of how they've erased some of our history so that we wouldn't even understand where we come from. So that's why I wanted to spotlight, you know, uh, Wilson and Newman because I, I feel like I'm living in their shadow, you know, their, their history, their, their legacy for the fact of they were truth tellers. They died telling the truth, you know, and the truth hurts. The truth is, um, is, is, is scary. The truth is a lot of things, but I, I feel like we have two choices. We can face it and rise or we can face it and, and run away. You know, so I feel like I want people to rise and not run anymore. And the only way that we rise is educating. Um, and that's what brings us into you know, today's episode, uh, talking about revolutionary revelations, um, decoding the triad of influence, right? And, and what I mean by the triad is it's like a triangle, right? Because you got the executive, you have the legislative, and then you got the judicial. I know I'm saying that word. Not, I know I'm saying it right. I'm just probably pronouncing it weird. Um, but we have those three things. That's what I want to talk about and educate people today because we have the president, which is executive. Then we have legislative, which is our senators and congressmen and women, right? They are the ones that write policies. Those are the ones that say yay and nay. Um, those are the ones that, you know, make actual change, right? So when your taxes go up or when the gas prices go up, it ain't got so much to do with go, Brandon, go. No, that ain't got nothing. That means you need to pay attention to Cedric and Bobby and, 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 and Elon and, uh, Amy Klobuchar, right? Then we have the judicial, which is the courts, which decide what that, what is a loophole and what's not, what is right, what's wrong, to a degree. These are things that are, are, are laws that affect us in, in real time, right? So that's what I wanted to get into today and if you got anything to say about this topic don't tell i'm gonna let you rock until i do have something to say until yeah. you, was gonna do that. you know you know i will right <laughs> so i want to break this down and and we're gonna let's we're gonna break this down so we're gonna talk about executive and the executive branch who's in charge that is the head of the executive branch is the president who is right now is Joe Biden, right? What do they do? The president is like the CEO, but 
of a country, not a company, but a country. Uh, they make decisions on how to run the country, set national policies, and represent the U.S. in dealings with other nations. The president also oversees various government agencies and can issue executive orders, which are like directives to those agencies. Um, when you think about what we vote for, right? And this is, I think that it really, um, hold on, you know what, before I go any further, let me play something real quick, because I think this is, I found this very interesting, actually. Um, and, and I did put this in the chat. I don't know if you've seen it or not, John Taylor, but, uh, Lord. Okay, I need to get out of that. What the hell's going on with my screen? Focus on the legislative branch. Yeah, they the ones that make the laws. Yeah, they the ones right how much food stamp money you get on the car. But when people that wanted to help us, wanted the job, I know they probably lost. Cause we ain't even know their name, we ain't know their face, we ain't know it all. So the Congress, for the state house, that's legislative, they make laws. So what we want from the president is what they do. Okay, y'all? See, they election every two years, but we don't never even go to those. The Congress, they can raise minimum wage, but we ain't even really know it though. Hold on, y'all. Let me get out of this real quick. I'm going to play it real quick, but just let me get out of this. I don't know what the hell. I'm not trying to have this on here. Jesus, Lord. <laughs> Hold on, man. No, because no, I don't want my messages is, up there. That track is fire, though. Oh, my damn. And then I can't even get out the shit. Crazy. Oh, here we go. No, you okay? Yeah, now here we go. All right. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Okay, so I got it off my boy page. So, all right, here we go. It was three branches of the government. We forgot it when we got older. It's the judicial, the legislative, and the youth. Well, all we know is the executive. That's the mayor or the governor and the president. Now, none of them three people make no laws. They just be checking them. The laws come to their desk, and all they do is say no or yes to it. So when the news station tried to tell us that Barack Obama couldn't put us on, we was all Saudi at Obama when it was the Congress members out of law. We got to focus on the legislative branch. Yeah, they the ones that make the laws. Yeah, they the ones right how much food stamp money you get on the car. But when people that want Wanted to help us, wanted the job, I know they probably lost. Cause we ain't even know their name, we ain't know their face, we ain't know it all. So the Congress, for the state house, that's legislative, they make laws. So what we want from the president is what they do. Okay, y'all? See, they election every two years, but we don't ever even go to those. The Congress, they can raise minimum wage, but we ain't even really know it though. The state house makes the court calls. So if the country failed, then you can't say it's them, it's your fault. Cause y'all ain't know to vote for Congress members, that was for y'all. And they don't gotta leave after four years, and we just let them sit. See, they don't want to tell you this. They want you to focus on the president. Now, the third branch is the judicial. That's judges. 
They the reason why John Crawford and Trey Vine had justice. If we gon' fix the U.S., we gotta start with them two letters, me and you. Somebody told us that the government wanna keep us broke. But the only reason why those people in the government is cause we ain't vote. And I ain't talking about the president. I'm talking about the ones we ain't know. See, they was gonna try to keep it low, but it's gonna hurt them when they see the pro. You know, back in Oh, hey. He honestly, I love the way that that brother mm -hmm. broke that down. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Because he put it where our gener, you know, this generation now can understand it, where they can relate to it, put it into um, a fashion, a form that people can get with it. And and honestly, he puts it all right there of people are being misled. You know, you, you're led to believe that Obama failed us, which whatever people can think, whatever. But honestly, Congress failed us them them years because we weren't paying attention. And I'm saying me because I was old enough to vote during that era. Um, that we weren't paying attention to the people, the small people, because I can tell you right now, I didn't know who the hell my Congress person was. I couldn't tell you who my city council person was. None of that. But now, oh, I can definitely tell you. The Constitution was illegal. The Electoral College is a selected president because the people are stupid. <laughs> the, the 1783 Treaty, the king retained all his possessions. We repaid France through England. And Vatican Bank. It's all a game. Yeah, I, I, you know what's crazy is, Robert, you know I'm, all, I'm not going to disagree with you. You do your research. You put it all together and there's still so many damn videos i gotta watch that you sent me um and i get kind of sidetracked a little bit because it is you know i've been trying to focus on how can i educate um black people in a way that they'll get it or a way that they will you know attempt to understand it but then i started to think Damn, why am I directing my message towards my people when we don't have a voice right now, right? So I should be directing to an audience that doesn't understand, but that I need help to be able to help my community, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why my shit, my platform now, and, and I have been for a while, has been geared towards Republicans not towards progressives because they already are liberals because they already say they they they're supposed to be allies right that's what they yell all day every day so i shouldn't have to be explaining to them what's right what's wrong because supposedly they already know so that's why i gear my shit towards republicans right y'all say y'all want to write policies that benefit black people but yet when i hear the shit that comes out of let's say a donald trump and that's why i'm switching to legislative i'm not going to talk about donald trump right because he can only do executive shit he can only do he got a little power probably more power than he actually should have as a president than other presidents have had um because he he really got these mega idiots uh weirdos I'm not, you know what? Let me take that back because I'm not even going to be disrespectful. Uh, the Make America Great Again crowd because America ain't never been great. Our foundation was built 
and designed to be the exact way that it is going right now to have a nation of indoctrinated and programmed workers. Not a nation, not a country of free thinkers. Because what do they do? They silence freedom of speech. All right. And, and why is that, though? Because of the people that we put in legislative and judicial. What happened to that? And, and one, one crazy part about that is that rap, as he said about, we're in the U.S., but we don't even think about us or some shit like that. And I was like, damn, you know, I, I don't understand of how, you know, people don't pay attention to what is really, really going on. You know what I'm saying? Because one thing that I hear, and this is again, talking about legislative, but I'm going to bring it into the entertainment and Hollywood industry. I don't know if people have watched the Monique and Shannon Sharp and Club Shay Shay interview. Cause I'll tell you right now, I listened to that at work last night and God damn, 2024 off to a, a crap. It's all shots was fired last night. And she made a very good point of how we are so quick to protect the victim, but not how we're so quick to protect the abuser, but not the victim. And she said that to Shannon for the simple fact of that they started to talk about Oprah, Tyler Perry. And he said, I, I can't speak on, on, on Oprah, but Tyler, and she's like, wait a minute, you heard that audio. And I didn't even know there was audio out there, to be honest. I, I did not know this, that there is audio out there from 2018 of that Monique has Tyler Perry on audio saying, that he lied and spread a rumor about her that she was hard to work with, which was not the case. And he, she has him on audio. And the first thing that Shannon Sharp was, how could you record that, man? And it's illegal. But see, when you know the laws, it's not illegal in some states. As long as one person says it's okay to record, it's okay. This is like when you're out in public, people are like, don't photograph me. Well, get off public property then. Because it's public. I can't wait to have... talk about all this on my show. <laughs> right, I've I'm yet to watch it. I've yet to watch it, but you know, I know the whole ins and outs because when all this went down over 10 years ago, right, 2009, 2010, 2011, I was on it because I was a huge fan of Monique. I watched her talk show at night, every night. You know, I was a huge fan of Precious. And then when everything broke, like I was on that shit and I was in a huge support of her. It wasn't a popular opinion, but I was. And here we are now where everyone's rallying behind. I'm sorry to cut you off, but like Taraji, no, you, you know what I mean? Uh, right. But the conversation has needed to 
be brought to the forefront for years and people want to downplay. Um, I, I, I'm certainly anti-capitalist, but I'm also equal, equal opportunity, equal pay in the hierarchy. White men make the most. So everyone else should deserve to make equal pay to what a white man makes, correct? And so right. why would we want to tear down a black woman for demanding what they deserve? Taraji, Monique, Kat as well, Kat Williams, they all deserve what they're asking for. Um, Michael Jackson, Kanye West, they deserve to have their masters, their rights. Michael Jackson deserved to have his, uh, to, to have Sony, you know? You know what's crazy though is, and, and, and I don't mean to, to cut you off, but there was so, and I'm saying this is a three hour interview. Not even an interview because Shannon Sharp doesn't call himself a journalist, right? And he wants people to come in there and be comfortable, sit on that, because I know that leather couch hot than a motherfucker right now. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that I really took out of that interview, out of that conversation, is when everybody talks about the conversation that him and Kat had, they talk about how foul Kat is, right? But you don't wow. hear no, but wait, wait, no, but let me go on, right? Because, but what you don't hear is nobody out here saying he lying, but they talk about how foul he is, but nobody's saying he's lying. Tell me, so we're okay with people being wrong. And then when you tell people that is what is going on, they're bogus. See, I haven't heard anything about anyone coming at him at all <clears throat> everything that i see about cat williams is nothing but positive stuff uh so i can't i literally can't speak to that like everything i see is in support of cat and positive stuff like so i mean that's crazy well, that's sad it, and it is and robert banks a very very you know i love the fact that you just said this because there is no difference it's all the same shit. It's all the same people that are controlling the strings to the puppets. And and one thing that I'll go back to is somebody, and I can't remember who's who said this, but if we think about the world and everything around, it's like a glove and you got to understand how it fits. We've talked about this before, Jontel, about the glove and how when we look at it, how everything, you can't have one without the other to make everything work. Mm -hmm. and that's how it is you got the, the medical industry you have the entertainment and music you have politics you have school you got religion energy and they right and they right and then they all intertwine come back and it fits like a glove so you can't to get changed you got to fix all of those things to get to the core problem right exactly and what is white it's the same thing with you know that's why i consider myself a black american because i'm going to tell you why you have somali americans you have jamaican americans they know where they understand where they come from because you've got somalians nigerians ethiopians russians ukrainians uh uh, uh french right that that's not white that's not black they have an ethnic, yeah, they, they're, that's a skin color, what they want to call a skin color, but we're not a box of crayons. 
You know what I'm saying? You can't just bunch somebody into something because of the, our skin shade. But that's what that's how they do us. That's what a person of color is. A bunch of crayons. That's how I see it. It is it, a bunch of crayons. And I don't want to be a crayon. I get I, I get what you're saying. <clears throat> However, when I look at and I think when they mean this, it's to most of the world is of color. Most of the world is melanated. The world isn't black and white. The world is a shade of crayons. It's a shade. A shade it's it's a, an array, an assortment of different colors. And white people, or if you want to, if we want to look at it that way and categorize it, white people, the white race, whatever, are the minority. And so you look at America, we are more and more diverse. There are more people that identify as different shades of colors or ethnicities or people. And so to say people of color isn't a jab at black people. It's to understand that we are one of many different kinds of I, people of color. I'm not going to, I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. It's to disfranchise and it's to take away from. Black I'm not America. talking about that angle though. I get what you're saying, but these are two separate things. Also, it's not though because you, different you people. It's not it's different not, people mean. I, let me talk. Let me talk. Let me talk. Different people mean different things when they think of people of color. Just like people think different things when they say nigga. Just like people mean different things when they say black. Just like people mean different things when they say African American. Everyone has a different interpretation of the same word. When I say people of color, I say it with pride because I look at uh, Spanish people. I look at African people. I look at all people of color around the world as needing to band together to combat the, the hierarchy of white people at the top worldwide. Now, when we're talking about foundational black people in America, yes, I agree with what you're saying, but what I'm saying and what you're saying are two separate things. Just like we're talking about Juneteenth and Black History Month. Those are two separate things. Just like we're talking about um, when we talk about celebrating black people and we're talking about celebrating our black, our African ancestry. Those are two separate things and they deserve to exist in the same space. Also, I'm not knocking you. So how how is Black History Month and Juneteenth different? Because it's, all because it's all here because of one thing, and it's called legislation. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Not Black History Month, Kwanzaa. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it, that's all shit. It's feel-good shit. No. Because they, they, Kwanzaa they is to celebrate our Black, our African ancestry. Juneteenth is to celebrate our Black foundational Americanness. But they're both valid because they're both a part of us. Just like being a person of color and being a black foundational American are both a part of us. That's all I'm saying. No, and, and, and I dig that, right? But to the part that I come from is the whole African part about, yes, I get it that, yes, we understand that we come from Africa. But the other part of it is that a lot of people, here's my thing of it is, right? I understand that, um, my 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 ancestors, my dad's family comes from Africa, right? I, I get that part of it. But what I don't understand beyond them being from Africa, 
when I look up on on paper, I don't see where from Africa though, right? Because all I find is a number of when they came over off a ship. Right. So think about it this way. Colonizers, white people, Europeans, whatever you want to call it, have done the same thing to people of color everywhere around the world. All other people of color have been subjugated to that too. So no matter how which way you want to put it, associating with person of color or associating with black, there is a sense of disorientation thrown in there. You know what I'm saying? So like, don't just hold on to one without acknowledging the other part either. You know what I mean? Like, I get what you're saying. And I completely support you. That's first and foremost. Be one. Do you know what I mean? Be one. However, I'm also, like, thinking about other parts of myself, too, because how are we going to dismantle colorism if we're not acknowledging that there are other people of color in this country? Other people of color that are coming into this country and trampling on top of the people that have already been here so-called help build this country this system yada 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 we can't expect to have more for ourselves if we're not acknowledging what has gotten in the way of us getting that allegedly that's a conversation for a whole nother day because I so, I'll be, I'm going to tell you right now, because I so disagree with what you just said. And, and, and I'm going to tell you why, because the more that we don't face the fact that we as Black Americans every day are being erased by legislation, by policy, and, and are being literally demonized, criminalized for the simple fact that they are trying to disfranchise us. Erase You're them. literally missing what I'm saying. So you sat here and you talk about what's her name? Omar, Ilhan Omar or whatever. Nope. Okay, so you're acknowledging another group of people of color that are getting in the way of you having the narrative of talking about what you want for your people. Am I correct? So you have to acknowledge the fact you let me finish. You have to acknowledge the fact that Somalians exist in your space or else you wouldn't want or have or demand anything for your people. That's what I'm saying. You can't but just say, oh, other people of color don't exist and then demand what you want for yourself. You have to acknowledge that they exist and they're world. also cutting into what you want for yourself. That's all I'm saying. You, what you know, because you, first of all, you're taking my words out of context. And, and what I'm saying is that Ilan Omar, she was placed there. She was selected to be there. So first of all, she's not the issue because she can be replaced because there's not a majority of Somalian Americans or Somalian people in Minneapolis in District 5 that will literally that can change the vote. That comes from white people. And no disrespect. And here's the thing of it is this ain't got nothing to do with because I'll tell you right now, when you go to these streets in Minneapolis in the Fifth Ward, you would think that last election she would have got the fuck up out of there but no because the people that really want her out of there are educated enough to go vote or we couldn't vote but i guarantee it this year that omar will not be the the rep for 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 district five and that's gonna have to do it with black people 
You're literally saying what I'm just saying. That's basically what I was just saying. So then how am I not, how are we not agreeing then? How am I, how am I taking your shit out of context? You're acknowledging the fact that other people uh, exist. Other groups of people exist for you to get and acknowledge where you are, that you're separate. You're a completely different entity and you want something that represents and defines your separate group and entity. We're saying the same thing. But when they write legislation, okay, here's here's the point that I'm trying to make, right? Because you have an Asian hate crime bill. You have a Hispanic hate crime bill. What you don't have is a black American one because every exactly. day exactly. So, exactly. So let me prove the point again. You just acknowledge the other two groups of people that have something for themselves to point out that you need something for yourself. Again, we're saying the same thing. You're acknowledging two other groups of people. Other definitions of people of but color. How you have to? Because that if no, you don't acknowledge other groups of people, how can you define what you are? If you're not listen to me, if you're not acknowledging another group of people, how can you define what you are? Here's the whole crazy thing of it is I shouldn't have to bring up other races to validate anything. That's the whole crazy thing when it's already written. That's what you're not understanding. Why the fuck do we have to validate anybody when if it's you're not claiming? If you're not claiming it's for everybody, that's what I'm trying to say. Oh my god, Why shut the fuck up! If anything? you don't claim, if you don't acknowledge that you're black, how can you say you want something for black people? Come on. Because the first of all, I can claim that I'm black because the, against people that say they're POC because they but they'll claim they're black. That's listen what, to again. Listen to what I just said. If you don't state that you're black, how can you say I want stuff for black people? You have to acknowledge that you are separate from other groups of people, which means that you have to acknowledge other groups of people. We're agreeing. Oh, my bad, man. Um, I I really did not was trying to make this educational. I was trying to make this um not a a a, a back and forth because I see that enough in these Twitter spaces, right? And I I see when people get emotional and they start to let emotions come in right and i don't want people to sit there and think that me and john tell are are arguing or that we're getting frustrated with each other it's the fact that i'm trying to get people to see it's about the legislation and yes we have to recognize where we come from right but if you don't understand where you come from how the hell are you supposed to know where you're going and that's the point that I'm trying to make, because when they write things that are about POC, right? But then when you see things that are written about Asians or Hispanics or, or other ethnic groups that are all of a sudden one minute we're bunched in together, but then in the next minute we're not, right? That's the point that I'm trying to make. And it shouldn't even have to be like that when our constitution is supposed to be allegedly written for everybody. But yet when the 13th Amendment, we've had the Mass Emancipation Proclamation. Why is it that legislation 
in America always has to do with when, when it's written, it's about black people. It always has to do something with us when, when at the end of the day, it's already written in there. It, it has been, and, and it is a, it, it's a, it is a very, very, um, frustrating topic, right? It, it is. It's a very, 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 very frustrating topic. And, and it's when people, I don't understand. This is the part that, that really confuses me. And, and I'm hoping that, and I hope other people will answer this, right? Because if we all have the same objective, right? And that is for black people to better our communities. Why is it that every time black people we talk about trying to better our communities for solutions, we get caught up in shit that ain't got nothing to do with black Americans? Because we argue over uh, presidents who are white. We argue over political establishments that are ran by whites. So why do we as black people, but yet, but then when it comes to our own community, we won't even fight for each other. But y'all will sit here and will die for people who don't care about us. Because what's crazy is there's so many people out in these streets that I will literally die for. I put my motherfucking life on the line for. And I know they won't do the same for me. I know they won't do the same for me. And I've had to figure that out the hard way. The hard way, just like when it comes to this executive, legislative, judicial, it's the same thing for me when it comes to this family shit, right? It's the same thing when it comes to this community shit because there's a hierarchy. There, there's unwritten rules that, that we should follow. No violence on Sundays. We should keep our hands off grandmas and children. But do we do that? Hell no, we don't do that. I get frustrated sitting here. All I hear on these motherfucking Twitter spaces and, and, and Facebook and everything is I'm so tired of it. It's black people arguing over stupid ass shit. Even me, myself, man, me included. Me included. And it hurts. It hurts because we're not going to get nowhere if we continually argue with each other over stupid shit, just like how what was just happening because of miscommunication, our, our emotions getting involved, especially me. I'm going to take accountability here because somebody, we got to, we have to, we have to, we have to. We have to, or we're not going to get anywhere. We have to be understanding. We have to have compassion, empathy, sympathy. We got to. Because I'll tell you right now, I'm. I, you know what's crazy is just the last couple of days, man. And this is the reason why I didn't really want to get into the race topic today. Is 
because of the fact of and i watched the interview before this and i probably shouldn't have watched it um that really hit home man and this is part of the reason why i i, I wanted to change my life and, and 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 do better for my community you know because i feel like you know i lost my best friend for reasons that i feel like could have been changed could have been differently if we were you know speaking out and wanted to do you know what i'm saying uh uh the right things and but yet we weren't because we were afraid if we we spoke out you know or if we were doing this and if we didn't get to do this man and i i literally lost a brother and, and i i've never gotten over that i'm 46 about to be 47 and watching that exchange between g herbo and his best friend's dad little greg little greg's dad what blew my mind man because it's it, it felt refreshing to see somebody that felt like he could have did something different if he would have been doing something different you know what i'm saying and then taking accountability even though he knows that at the end of the day that it's not his fault that his best friend died just like i know in my heart it's not but i feel like i could have did something differently you know what i'm saying and and there's a lot of elderly that elders in our community that could have did differently and to this day they don't even want to do differently you know that's why this shit hurts and and i'm glad to see that people like monique and and cat williams and other people getting that shit off their chest man because to carry that shit it hurts and and then for people to look at you like you crazy and and all and and i want people to know this is what like when i seen jerry mcafee and i see sharif this shit hurts because to know that they are the reason why my best friend is dead shit hurts all over some shit that we are still today fighting over trying to save our communities that's crazy as hell to me but yet they say they on the other side they ain't even paid for their sins from the past but y'all want to call me crazy. Man, I, I, I should just end this stream because I, I, did, I don't even know what to say anymore, man. It's all I want, all I know is I want better for my community. I know that the way that I grew up the choices that i've had to make uh i wish i could take back i wish that i could literally make different choices i can't i i gotta live with that shit. but i've learned from that shit too and that's all i want people to do is because when we know better we do better and i'm i'm still not where i want to be but i'm getting there because it's a work in progress there there's levels to this shit. there's steps it ain't it, this don't happen overnight you know what i'm saying because I, I do love i love the people man i love my community so fucking much and to see the shit that we gotta go through man and to see the shit that people live through and yet the people that we vote for the people that we're who are supposed to care about our communities and, and who say they don't 
I would say they do actually don't because they have a greater agenda. It ain't about the people. But I know through education, we can change that shit. And that, that's what I want to say. And honestly, at the end of the day, if there wasn't for certain people in my life that steered me in a direction, if there wasn't people that who have keeping me on the, the straight and narrow, because I'll tell you right now that there's a lot of shit that I wish I could do for people. And there ain't a damn thing I can do, man. I, I have to sit back. And, and just watch. And, and do you know how, how hard that is to see these little kids out here being killed or, or off of fentanyl or, or by bullets and knowing that there's things that could be done, but the people that who are supposed to be making change don't even give a fuck or don't even want to listen. Do you know how that feels? Because I bet you people don't. And people will think about, oh, well, you had a choice. You don't know what shit about what kind of choice I had. Because you know how much water feel. like. Because I can guarantee it. I was watching the Rochester City Council meeting Monday night. And there was a man that went up there who was homeless, was telling his story. You know how hard it is to go up to, to a, 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 a council full of people, a room full of people, knowing that you're about to bear your business out there and people are going to judge you you know how hard that is and to know that then they don't even they don't even give a fuck they didn't even listen that they're going to criminalize you for things that you are out of your that are out of your reach and they don't even want to give you a booster seat right they don't even want to give you a, a, a step they just want to sit there and just to criminalize you demonize you for the things that they written. Cause there was a great article written yesterday um, about Hennepin County eviction court. And I'll tell you that's, that article made me cry for the simple fact that you literally had people that are being evicted and their rent is only $300 a month on subsidized housing. And all it takes is, well, that's what people don't understand because if you're not poor, if you're not living paycheck to paycheck, you don't know what it feels like to have your tranny blow or your starter go out or something happens in your house or, or and your your baby need medications and, and you don't have insurance. And then you can't pay right because that's more important. You got to be able to get to work. Your baby got to get healthy. They don't understand that because they could never feel that. They don't understand what that is. They don't understand of having your back against the wall, right? And the rents do. Baby need diapers. The light's about to go off. What you going to do? You know that the county ain't always going to come through. You know the nonprofits ain't always going to lead you on. It's, gonna, it's a process. You're going to get out there and get it. You're going to go get it, right? Because that's what they do. They go get it, but see, they have different routes. They can go to the bank and get a loan, right? They can go take a cash advance on their credit card. They can refinance their house. We don't have them options because that shit wasn't passed down to our generations, that education, right? That knowledge. Because people are just understanding it now because of technology. Because we have those options now in front of us. And some people take advantage of it. Some people take advantage of it and still others don't. 
And that's one thing that, that I love about John Till because he has pushed me in directions to make myself better. And that's why, you know, sometimes I do get frustrated with him. That's not, it ain't because I dislike him. It's because at the end of the day, we both have the best intentions for each other. And I let my emotions get the best of me. And I, I'll admit that all day, every day. I'll admit that all day, every day, that I let my emotions uh, get the best of me in that in that situation. Makes and for good entertainment. No, no, it didn't, bro, because that hurt. And that's why I had, because that's why I it hurt. Because when I see that shit in them Twitter spaces, bro, that shit hurts because how the hell, like, if we're saying the same thing, how the fuck are we getting misconstrued? And All black people we, ain't the same. We speak different no, languages, you know? We don't, though, bro. It's just the word. You know what's crazy? It's the word. It's the verbiage. Mm -hmm. Because there yeah. ain't no difference Agreed. in what we're saying. It's the verbiage. It's because yeah. you have a better understanding than I do. Don't mean That's shit, all. I get what you're saying. No, I'm not saying that it does, but I'm just saying it's that. And that's why I, I, I had to stop for a minute and just rant and vent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big philosopher, and sometimes I have to, like, understand the way I'm saying stuff sometimes. But I don't ever want you to change. And it probably was good entertainment. <laughs> but I, <laughs> because, no, I just, man, I just want our communities to get better, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want our communities to heal. And how do we get that? Because Trump ain't going to do that. Biden ain't going to do that. So how do we get that? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do we? Because is it elections really going to do anything if we don't change what's going on in, in, in our own communities? Because we, we got to have the people that from our communities who say they're leaders actually start leading. And what I mean by that is why y'all just sitting on the couch and not putting your name in the hat? Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take people like what Andy Williams Jr. And it's crazy how people talk about Trump. I hear black people talk about Trump. I hear black people talk about Biden. I don't hear people talk about Celeste. At least you say her name because I'm a, I don't want to. Um, Charles, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, Queen. Selena Charles. Selena. Yes. Okay, Selena. So you have Selena Charles. You got Andy Williams Jr. right now, the hood candidate. And they don't even give them the time of day because of the simple fact they don't have a DRR behind their names. And that's sad to me. That's sad to me. No, Robert, what's crazy is, um, so I'm going to go an hour and a half today. Um, but yeah, ending the demand for low-income labor and building up a local economy, as long as the demand is there, people are trapped in the system and will be filled. Right, and that's one thing that when I got off yesterday, there was a lady that called me, and she's like, you missed, you were really good today, but you missed one thing. And I had it, I actually wrote it down, and she said, when you were talking about the area and median income, you didn't talk about where that came from. I said, because, well, I didn't know where it came from. And she's like, well, that was the housing crash of 2018. You got to look up what they did in Congress with HUD. And I was like, what? 
And she's like, "What? look what they're doing now because apartments aren't being called apartments. Condos aren't being called condos. They're being called complexes. Why is that? So I'm going to get into that. That's one thing, some of my homework. But I thought that was astonishing because I was on the right track. I'm just missing pieces. And I love the fact that there's other truth tellers out here that love telling the truth. So that's one thing that I will look into is because um, what I'm being told before 2018, there wasn't no area of median income, no AMI. Uh, so I'm going to uh, definitely look into that. And that's why I'm, I want to bring on other people that know. Uh, let's have a, a discussion. Let's have a conversation. You know, you see, and I'm going to bring Robert because I'm not done with Minneapolis yet. I just wanted to shift it, shift a little bit uh, for a while for, you know, just to ease people. And because the next couple of weeks are going to be uh, tedious. It, it's going to be stressful, you know, starting probably Tuesday and Wednesday as I go into this, you know, Minnesota legislative session. And uh, as we're going on to this uh, election, um, you know, but I'm really going to be laser focused on these bills that are going to be introduced and I'm going to be talking about them and I'm hoping that I can bring on some, um, some lawmakers, uh, even if they're just little sound bites, um, to see how they, they feel about certain things, because I want people to see what is going on. I want people to understand, um, what is going on this legislative session, what is being written, what is being authored, who's writing it, because um, it affects us. It affects us. Every day, it affects us. So the rich folks get added, most of the poor folks. It's how HUD gets funding increases, rent through Section 8 people, not on it can no longer afford ammo okay so i knew there was some kind of but yeah it's crazy because there's reasons behind everything and that's one thing of that as you start to go through history and i know we're kind of way off a little bit today but from what the episode's about but it's whatever uh you start to realize it like damn but why are we, and then people don't realize is that you don't really feel the full effects of that legislation to years later. Year, just like the 1994 Crime Bill Act. We're still feeling something from 30 years ago. We're still feeling that and we're feeling it over time. It's only gotten worse, right? But there were so many things from that bill that people didn't even understand that was in it because I didn't even know the consent decrees came from that. And that was because of Rodney King. But if the if the legislation's not written correctly, it's no good. And that's what we're seeing because there's no metrics to those consent decrees. There's no um, what failure and what success looks like because every police department that's on a consent decree has not gotten better. They haven't reshaped or reformed their police departments because they're still out there police brutality. They're still out there killing niggas for no reason. So how does that shit work? And they're still 
locking people up left and right who are innocent. So if Biden want to do the right thing, why doesn't he repeal the 1994 Crime Bill Act? Because he knows how fucked up it is. Just like Bobby Rush came out and said how bogus it was. But yeah, Keith Ellison and all them have. But I don't see y'all calling for this Negro to, to the man who says, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, to repeal it. I don't see y'all coming out and asking him to do that. But he'll go on air and say, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Ain't that some shit? If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Well, maybe you should write some legislation that helps us. Uh, well, it's kind of too late now. He's senile. Damn, right. Thank you for posting that. That's crazy. So, for anybody that lives in Hennepin County, the AMI is 124K. Damn, that's insane. I bet you some people don't even make that in a four-year period. Because I'll tell you right now that the legislation that Walls just did the other day with the child credit tax, you didn't even have to work last year and you get that back. 17.5, And I mean, I ain't got no problem with it. But yeah, it just shows that because it's crazy how, you know, I've been telling people to, to not file their taxes because, you know, if you lived in Minnesota, you were getting um, taxed off the little walls dollars they gave us last year. Uh, so I told people to hold on to file, you know, and also I knew that the Congress was in, and, and so was Minnesota. Uh, we're working on the child care tax shit, right? And they are working on tax reforms and things. And so I told people just to wait because I wanted to see, they should wait to see so they didn't get wronged or, you know, they would get flagged or anything like that. Some people waited, some people didn't. Um, well, they did change some things. And because we are still being taxed off the 260 that we got. Uh, but Walls did add uh, here in Minnesota that if you made under $29,000 last year, you got $1,750 each child. Uh, and it didn't matter if you worked or not. So, but you had to make under 29,000. Now, where does that fit for the mother who made maybe, let's say, 56, 57,000, but yet had to pay all these other things child care, health care costs, educational costs? housing and then that takes it away because i'll tell you right now that a mother that gets makes under twenty nine thousand dollars probably gets a little bit more benefits than that mother that makes let's say 56 but yet still had gets the same services so that's why i say that we got to break that shit down differently because you can't i don't see a mother that uh you know, who makes $56,000, $57,000 a year and a mother who makes under $29,000 any differently because it's the same struggle. And I guarantee it, they get the same services just differently. Right. Right. See, and that's crazy because what's, and, and that's what's crazy is that I really, once you start to dig into that more, Robert, 
it's crazy because that's what they go off of and when it comes to affordable housing too and that's why you even see it it's tiered and it's like how can you have affordable area in a certain um area where the ami is higher way higher than what people actually make in that area and it's going off an area that is has more resources that is taken care of more like that shit just blows my mind of how we're supposed to uh you know i'll talk about rochester somebody just told me uh the other day i was having a conversation and they just rented a an efficiency apartment in rochester for fourteen hundred dollars a month I said, wait, for an efficiency in Rochester, Minnesota, $1,400 a month? I said, that shit's crazy. $1,400 for an efficiency. Not, you don't even got a bedroom. You got a connected room. $1,400 a month. I said, God damn. That ain't, they're not looking. They call that affordable housing? It's not affordable. You're not looking for families. You're looking for the newer generation. I know, right, because it's based on AMI. And that shit's crazy to me. But if you look at, but that's why we have so many homeless people. Because they can't even afford it. And they're not even listening to the people that are coming up and speaking to them, right? Because first of all, you only got two minutes or three minutes when you go to, you know, the city level or the county level to speak. You might have five. Or you go to the state level and they just want to get you in and out of there. So they give you a minute or two. Uh, don't respond to your emails or your phone calls or want to give you the runaround. Uh, but they don't listen to you because at the end of the day, if they did, they would see that AMI hurts the poor community more than it helps it. Because if you're going to base things off a whole population, go off of that population in that area. Don't go off an area that is included because when you look at, let's say, Hennepin County or like Olmstead County, uh, you have areas inside that county is way poorer than other areas, but it's included in data and statistics, which it really shouldn't be. Right. That is a problem. Mm-hmm. Nope. And that's one thing that needs to be fixed. But when you talk to these people, it doesn't get fixed because you see the tax committee chair going to uh, games, basketball games with lobbies, people that are from, yeah, it just trips me out. So we're never going to get changed. Not when corporations and um, fortune 500 companies have our politicians in the pocket, in their back pocket. And it's not about us, our community anymore not about we the people they can talk about all that we the people shit they want but when it comes on to them writing legislation or policies we the people ain't involved so uh that's what people need to understand because if they were writing legislation and policies for we the people uh you wouldn't hear about homeless campments being evicted but yet talking about they're going to end homelessness Right. Or that you want to be a city that is seen around the world as being humanitarian, but yet you're writing legislation that criminalizes people that are poor. That's not humanitarian. It's not what I would think a city of healing is known for, is that they criminalize homeless people. But yet the number one 
hospital in the world criminalizes poor people. Criminalizes poor people because that that legislation, that ordinance in Rochester, that came from the DMC. That didn't come from the people of Rochester. That came from your city employee, right? That your taxpayers dollars pay his salary, Mr. Jim Franklin, the chief of police, did that. Not a resident, not a constituent, but an employee that benefits his employee, his employer, not his, you see what I'm saying? Because he's supposed to protect and serve, but is yet, what is he doing? The legislation that he once passed or that he got wrote and got authored and passed wasn't about protecting and serving. It was about criminalizing and demonizing. The same thing that they do when they're supposed to be protecting and swerving and they out there are protecting and serving and they out there ducking and swerving. Because they sure the fuck don't protect shit. Unless they protecting a building. Because it ain't definitely ain't got nothing to do with the people. They got to do with property, or profits. Ain't got nothing to do with people. It's either property or profits they care about. And if I'm missing a P, John Taylor included in there. <laughs> On Twitter going crazy. Oh, shit. That's why live now. Supreme Court hears oral arguments on Trump's ballot eligibility. Huh. Here we go. Right. Here we go with that shit. Huh? And it's like I still see with them J6ers. Come on, man. You motherfuckers. I don't even care about the data anymore, but y'all did something illegal. Let's get the fuck over it. Y'all did something illegal. Let's go at it because I'll tell you at the end of the day, I know when I go out here and, uh, shut down highways and you know uh shut down the streets i know i'm doing something illegal but i also know what i'm doing it for just like y'all went to the capitol y'all thought y'all were being wrong and you 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 did what you thought was right but you were breaking the law there's no way there, there's no way around that so if you guys are going to demonize me for doing peaceful things of shutting down the highway and making y'all late for work or making y'all late to go get a frappe from Starbucks, or I'm making you late for your yoga class, or I'm making you late for your Akai bowl, right? <laughs> Sorry. I'll go to jail for that. I'll go to jail for that. I'll, I'll pay the, the fine. I'll get that mark. But I understand what it's for. And I know that I'm out there doing the right thing. So if y'all are saying y'all were doing the right thing, stop complaining about it and fight the system like we fight the system day in, day out. But stop bitching because what you did was wrong. And people that are out there enabling, you're part of the problem. Because if you can't call out them for doing things that are illegal, stop saying the same shit about my brothers and sisters who are just holding cell phones, who were complying, but the police were being excessive who are having Subway sandwiches, who are having a mental health crisis, right? Who are wrongfully convicted. Stop demonizing them when their cases get overturned and they're exonerated because of 
bad politicians, because of bad prosecutors, because of bad judges, because of bad police officers, right? Because if you're not going to compare or if you're not going to look in the mirror and say the same thing about the people you work with, stop talking about my community members. Because those are products of the environment that y'all, that the government wanted that the government chose, right? The 1994 Crime Bill Act. Why do you think we got so much violence? Why do you think we got so much mass incarceration? Because we all talk about it, but we don't ever talk about the root. Where does it come from? How can we change it? Nobody talks about that because we're so focused on other shit, right? That's why I laugh at these Negroes in Chicago they talk about they going I'm I am proud of Chicago. I'm proud y'all standing up, right? Proud. Y'all do y'all Doug Dizzle, Mark Carter, all y'all out there, right? But I can tell you right now, y'all sit there and say that 76 years has been controlled by Democrats. How are you gonna change 76 years by voting for Trump in that area? I just want to know because you're not talking about any local candidates, you're just talking about a nationwide one, right? What is he gonna do for your community if you don't change the things that are going on in the people in your community, if you're voting for the same shit over and over again? That's what I want people to understand because if you're not voting, and that's why I wanted to talk about this subject today because if we keep on voting the same way, instead of voting on our integrity, on our values, Right. Because we can't just keep on going up there and blindly just filling in the dot. This ain't no uh, uh, true or false type shit. This shit actually affects lives. Lives, human lives that are out here in tents, that are out here in RVs, that are out here jobless, that are out here with no Medicaid, that are out here with no education. So remember that. Yeah, it is. the right now i'm not i'm not calling it broken anymore because it's designed to do it what it's designed to do and it just takes years and years for it to become into reality to it it starts doing what it's supposed to be doing and that's why i kept on i continually believe that the let the willie lynch letter is actually true uh the makings of a negro slave is true the makings of a negro christian um all of that they pitted us that's why we we talk about racism so much but i understand by reading the willie lynch and the makings of a negro christian it's designed in there for us to focus on racism and not everything else that's involved right because they want you just to focus on racism but not the classism not the ableism not the ageism not the rankism sexism they don't they don't want us to focus so much on that and just focus on the one big thing right and that's why we see all this other shit is allowed to happen because we have our eyes on one thing instead of the glove you disagree with me there john tell nope <laughs> what are you mad what are, come on now you, you ain't gonna give me no push i am on. nope I'm not, but because I, I don't have one, but I'm not mad at all. Um, okay. 
I was about that's what I thought. I was like, damn, did I piss him off or he mad at me? Nah, nah, not at all. I'm gonna let, I'm just letting you rock, but I'm also um prepping for you know my show because I'm gonna go live right oh, after you. Good because I, <laughs> I, I good because I can push back on your ass. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, exactly. So I'm gonna say real quick, um my episode today on the colonizer's coffin is going to do with the i'm gonna keep it real short and sweet and i just have some stuff i want to air for y'all some educational shit this morning uh about africans uh, traveling and creating a diaspora uh us inhabiting settling and uh not discovering but inhabiting and settling because we ain't white people um the americas long before Columbus and even the Norse. So, you know, you can look at the Olmec culture of Mexico, but you can also look at many different other places in Central South America and the Americas to uh, show that there's lots of evidence that Black people were here, even from Christopher Columbus himself, who spoke to Indigenous people when he landed, and they spoke of Black woolly hair people that brought gold and there's evidence <clears throat> from excavations that actually do show that uh indigenous people here in the americas actually wore gold and uh different styles of their clothing down to the way that they built their uh civilizations and communities that was indicative of West African culture. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but the father of Mansa Musa actually did some excavation, uh, excursions out to explore different places, um, the Americas, which they already knew of long before the white Europeans knew of these places. Mind you, Blacks were in Europe before whites but that's a whole nother talk um and then also the other part i want to talk about and i know i'm rambling here is about blacks in india and how we uh from the horn of africa specifically but uh, ethiopia especially has ties to india and it was in the early days known as india was known as east e e excuse me east ethiopia so that's how much Blacks had an uh, early influence on Indian culture. They actually did rule certain uh, kingdoms and municipalities, and from what I uh, am understanding, still do. <clears throat> but a lot of different ethnicities and cultures in India do hold significant amounts of African DNA and blood, and you can see it in their physical features as well so there's lots of evidence to um to 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 point to this but not even just in india you can look at uh bangladesh you can look at thailand you can look at especially cambodia um and angkor wat for example for those who know about the ancient city of angkor wat the beautiful structure that it is uh it's said to be built by black people or people that were of some kind of African ancestry. So this is stuff that I definitely want to get into. Um, and I'm excited to share with y'all. So I'm just working on getting the episode up and running right now. So if y'all want to check it out, tune in to the Leon Block, the Colonizer's Coffin coming at you real soon. Stay tuned, y'all. Well, thanks, John Taylor. And also thank you for joining me. Um, Y'all know it's been a, a, a 
great, great week so far. Today's Thursday. We got one more beautiful day ahead. Uh, so I want people to um, rejoice in, 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 in their surroundings uh, and, and just know that you are the ruler, the leader of your, uh, of your world. Can't nobody make choices for you but you. Uh, so I want people to just know that we are free, you know, and get away from that victim mentality and understand that we are victors, right? But that comes from within side. Stop listening to the, the, the whispers and, and looking for the shadows because our success shouldn't, we shouldn't care about other people's success because success looks different to everybody, right? So that's one thing that I want people to understand because once you understand that what success, what being a victor looks like, because it's not always about, not everybody wants to be at the top. Not everybody's story ends that way, right? Some of our stories are okay being with giving back to the community and, and being out here with the people. It's not about being maybe sitting in the office and making, you know, change, but it's to also make sure that people are being okay, that people are being taken care of all the way around. So with that being said, man, thank you for tuning in to the Urban Conservative with Chaz Neal. Um, win or fail, freedom or jail, heaven or hell, wish me well. Y'all have a great one. And again, enjoy the rest of your Thursday. And I'll see you back tomorrow, Friday, 9 a.m. in the morning. Peace. Urban Conservative.